Once again, you have someone live and local on your radio. Coming up, join Patrick Lally as he looks reality straight in the face on the Talk of Sioux Falls. Information 1000 KSOO. A glorious good afternoon to you all. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the newsroom updating us on the day's happenings. It's, it's okay, everybody. I can, I can still see him. He's still there. Although a minute ago, I couldn't. That was, that was kind of scary, Dan. Well, I have this frantic note from Jerry P. Uh-oh. And he says, make sure you check that the, the show is going on over there because we're on our way to the Twin Cities. Uh. <laughs> so, and, I'm, and I'm doing it in my best, uh, yeah, you know, what Jerry is it? P. My, my, no, I'm doing it in my Rick Moranis from uh. Ghostbusters. Hey. He's like, hey, uh, he, he, yeah, we're, we're trying to get over here. We're, we're having a party because this is one of the things we like to do, eh? <laughs> so, like, take off, you hose head. Um, that's pretty good. I think that uh, we should probably do some Bob and Doug later. I think that I think the the folks out there in uh, the best little city in America would appreciate some Bob and Doug. Oh yeah, like we could go to the Great White North and we could have our back bacon. <laughs> have a little go to the Elsinore yep. Brewery, eh? <laughs> exactly, that would be good. Uh, maybe find a. Uh, <laughs> this beer has a mouse in it, eh? Um, <laughs> I found this mouse in my beer, eh? And the guy I know said you get free beer for life. Something like that. We'll have to work on it. Uh, we are live on Facebook right now as well. If you want to look behind the scenes of this fine program, ask questions, etc. Follow along with us. Follow along with the whole show. Get links and photos and such through our Twitter account at P Lally Show. Dan's also been posting the schedule for the show on Twitter, uh, and that's nice. That's been a nice touch, Dan. You know, for me especially because I don't remember what's coming up. That helps. I know when that mid that I can hold you to that because if you don't, then you're like you turn us <laughs> into a liar. Right. That's right. We can't do that. Uh, it's a great day out there. Thanks for spending a bit of your valuable time with us today. Dan and I will be here for the next two hours with the lively conversation on news and politics, health and science, literature, music, and some pop culture. I saw an interesting item uh, posted on my. Uh, on the site SiouxFalls.Business by our friend of the show, Jody Schwan, recently. There's this new Indian restaurant opening up in what was Moe's over there on 41st and Western. And uh, uh, this gentleman from um, Rapid City who ran a couple of restaurants out there, the Katmandu Bistro and the Everest Cuisine Restaurant, he shut those babies down and he moved to Sioux Falls and he's opening up an Indian joint over uh, at 41st and Western. And, it, and that's good. That's cool because I have become kind of a fan of the cuisine of the subcontinent. Uh, but I'm also torn because I'm still very loyal to the Shahi Palace over there in the meadows on the river, way kind of back in the corner near the movie theater in Carnival. I know I've come to this realization a little later than life than I should have. People have been telling me this for a long time. So, But just back off, hipsters, Okay. I am a South Dakota boy, so exploring ethnic foods hasn't always been easy for me, as you know. Sometimes, though, you just have to take the leap. And the offerings uh, for ethnic food in this town have improved so much. And I'm, I'm thrilled by that because I, I love Sanaa's Mediterranean. I, uh, I go to Jackie's downtown sometime. There's a couple other Jackie's. But the one downtown has the traditional Guatemalan dish for uh, your Central American food and it that 
that traditional Guatemalan dish is just awesome. You'll thank me. Papusas over at Los Pianos Hispanic Restaurant, which is Salvadoran over on East 10th. Vietnamese at Dynasty Lambs or Pho Quinh. Brazilian at the aforementioned Carnival, Sushi Masa, and what seems like a dozen other sushi spots now. And anything. You just go into Gilberto's on Minnesota Avenue, you order anything, and it's awesome. Uh, you know, we got gaps in our ethnic food offerings, clearly. Uh, we don't have a Thai restaurant, which is something a lot of people want. I imagine we'll see something fairly soon. I've seen something about a Thai restaurant, but I can't, I've not, I've not seen it yet. Uh, but there's, there's opportunity out there for us eaters where there didn't used to be. So I'm happy about that. You know, now that I think about it, I, uh, I may have to head over to Shahi Palace this evening. Uh, they're, they're pretty patient with me over there. They helped me, uh, they've guided me through. I've eaten pretty much everything on the menu at this point. It's just all good. It has been a great tour of Indian food and I thank them for that. Uh, but there's uh, so there's more, another Indian restaurant coming and I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Did you say Katmandu? Katmandu. I'm going to Katmandu. <laughs> that's really, really where I'm going to. All right. That's, that's exactly it. I'm sure when you go in the new Indian restaurant, they'll play a little Bob Seger for you. <laughs> Katmandu. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was a nice move by Mr. Dan Peters over there in the newsroom. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests are Vanessa Smith of Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine. She's working with a clinical trial in view involving the use of opioids after carpal tunnel surgery. So we'll hear more about that and uh, you know how you can stay off the opioids and what other stuff works. Scott Hudson will be in for Weird Friends. Uh, that's always lively and informative. He's, he's got something in his craw here that he wants to get off his chest. Uh, we're going to start the, this is the first sort of trial run of the Zambros KSO book, sh- book club. Uh, Jacqueline Palfi will be here. She's been running that book club for Zambros for about a dozen years. And, uh, she will bring us up to date on what's going on there. And then we'll, we'll talk about books every month and what their selection is. You can go down to Zambros and hang out with like-minded folks. And of course I'll have the PNL statement just after the break. Today's topic, Citibank and Sioux Falls, healthcare, and the big news downtown, This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Stay connected with KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. It is time for the PL statement on Information 1000 KSOO as we listen a bit to the uh, Bodines. Yeah, the official theme song of the PL statement from the Bodines, and I, I enjoy that so much. One of these times, I'm just going to start singing it. Like, I won't be able to control myself, and that'll be a, a radio disaster of the highest order. Anyway, I'm looking through the news today, and uh, again, we've got, you know, there's been some developments in our world and our community that are quite interesting, caught my attention here today. And uh, the first one, the first thing I noticed uh, yesterday was, this came out, that Citibank is saying that they're going to stick around and they're going to stay in Sioux Falls. 
Uh, this seems like a good thing. Um, they've got, you know, about half the employees they used to have out there at those three big buildings in the North Industrial Park. Uh, but it's still a big deal. I think they got 1,600, 1,700 employees in Sioux Falls. Uh, those are some big buildings out there, and they are not using all that space. So it probably was only a matter of time before they uh, needed something different. And uh, that's what they're going to do. And they're not saying where they're going to go or what they're going to, you know, are they going to, you know, rent some space? Probably not. Who knows? Um, there's lots of people talking about uh, they hope they want them to go downtown. I, you know, maybe, but I would bet that they'll stick to an office park somewhere. Uh, the Golden Triangle out in the Southwest, maybe. Then uh, there's still, as it was suggested to me earlier, uh, there's still spots uh, out in the north part of our city where there's plenty of space where they could build a new building or use something that's existing. So a lot of that stuff's getting repurposed out there, as we know. Um, overall, though, it's good news to keep city in Sioux Falls. Many people I know have developed you know, there's always been a lot of conversation about wages and phone banks and all that. But I, the thing is, I know a lot of people who started there when they came or uh, in their younger years and developed careers at Citibank or uh, developed a career in the in the industry elsewhere. So, you know, I, I see that as a good thing. I, you know, we can talk about usury laws some other time. Um, I see the uh, uh, Senate GOP says, and you've been hearing about this from ABC News and uh, at the top of the hour, of course, and it's all over the place. But the GOP, Senate GOP says they're going to include a repeal of the individual mandate in Obamacare, which, you know, wow, <laughs> that's kind of a backdoor repeal as I see it, um, that they couldn't get done before. Uh, early analysis says that it'll save $300 billion, and that's why they're doing it, because they need money under the for the tax cuts for that. They got to stay under that $1.5 trillion cap. Um, and that 13 million fewer Americans would get covered because they would just choose not to have insurance if there's no mandate. And for some people, that may seem like a good idea, but, you know, it puts us right back in the situation we are in, which is people don't have insurance. They show up. They can't pay for it. They go bankrupt. The hospital's left holding the, the bill. Uh, that's why we're here, okay, because insurance got too expensive, and it's too expensive again under Obamacare. Yeah, fix it. They're not fixing it. This isn't going to fix it. So I think this kind of stinks. Why? Because it's going to undermine the ACA, which if you want to get rid of the ACA, that's fine. That's okay. But you have to come up with something to solve the problem that the ACA was meant to solve. As much as the current crop of GOP members of Congress hate that mandate, they couldn't repeal it before and sticking it in here is convenient subterfuge at the very least, to get the vote on tax cuts and some sort of achievement going into the midterms. It's not, it doesn't seem to me that it's based on wise tax policy. It's not based on what's good for the health care in this country. It's not even good politics as I see it, because ultimately it's not going to expand the economy. I, I don't think, you know, they need to reform the tax code. That's great. That's great. But it's not a panacea for growth. It's just not. It never has been. It never will be. So it's short term. Um, and probably more telling as usual, there's no answer to the healthcare crisis. None, not a bupkis, you know, and all this just as the full weight of the chaos that the debate has created in the insurance markets is coming to reality. So I think it's particularly bad timing. Come up with policies, debate the policies, pass the best policy. That's how it works. How it's supposed to work, not what we're doing now. 
Um, but I, you know, the big news for me was yesterday was the, uh, we talked about it on the show a little bit, the big announcement down at city hall for the parking ramp, you know, it's, it's kind of sad when parking ramps are your big news, but as it turns out, this is a pretty big project. It ain't just a parking ramp as we know now it's a hotel parking ramp, retail space. It's called village on the river and it's going to be there at 10th and Phillips. Uh, kind of behind 10th and Phillips on the, it's actually 10th street and mall Avenue, which is basically an alley that goes behind the Phillips Avenue strip on the east side. Uh, it's a partnership between legacy development and the city and believed to be the largest public private development in city history. According to our friend Jody Schwan at Siouxfalls.business. Um, it's going to be a national name, but they haven't figured out what, which, which name it's going to be, you know, so it'll be you know, Hilton or Weston or whatever, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be one of those, but you'll recognize it. 120 to 140 rooms on six or seven stories. Plus that's all on top of the retail and on top of the, with the parking ramp hooked to it. Total is going to be 13 or 14 stories. That's pretty tall. It's going to be the tallest building in South Dakota. I think we heard at the beginning of the, on the newscast, that's, you know, it's, it's a big building. Um, people I'm sure will get made fun of by somebody who, says they're going to build a 13-story building and it's going to be the biggest one in South Dakota, but that's fine. They can do that. Um, this is the interesting part, and I think a lot of people were watching this. There's 525 parking spaces, which the city says it needs 1,000 to 2,000 more spaces in the next 20 years downtown. Um, and again, I talked about this yesterday. This isn't just for you driving up to go to the diner. It's for uh, uh, leased spaces, workers, that kind of thing. And, and to be able to expand the business base downtown, they need more places for people to be able to lease parking. That's the issue really with this parking ramp. So 525 out of this one, um, the it's $20 million out of the city that the city is committing to this. Um, it will be paid for through a bond secured with user fees for parking downtown. According to Darren Ketchum, who's the director of community development for the city, uh, he says zero tax dollars, zero taxpayer dollars are being used with this. Uh, you know, I, I, that's a lot of times that's how parking ramps get built. Um, you use the fees from the parking ramp to pay off a bond that I don't think that's terribly unusual. I, I see this all as a fairly positive development. There's been some question about legacy's involvement as they have been involved, were, uh, involved in the whole, uh, um, you know, former copper lounge building. Um, and I, I, don't I don't think anybody has assessed blame in that deal yet, but so some hackles were raised there, but I, I don't think that's I you know legacy is a legitimate and a and a a, a good uh, organization. It's run by Norm Drake. Um, uh, as I said, I see as positive along with the announcement there last week that the Phillips Hotel at Ninth and Phillips is going to be uh, that building that's now a bank and some offices is going to be a luxury hotel. That's really cool. It's more people downtown. It's entertainment, retail, et cetera, more of everything to the heart of our city. And I think that's good. In the broader sense, more full service hotels uh, with restaurants and all that is good for bringing more big time events to the city. That was one of the things that we get nicked on when we try and get, say, NCAA tournament games here um, that we don't have enough full service hotels. So that'll help a little bit with that. Um, also, we needed both of these developments to fill that clear hole in the hospitality industry downtown. There are hotels down there, but there's not enough. And there are not that we didn't have that kind of boutique hotel that Phillips is going to be, or this kind of very large uh, upscale hotel that will be in the village 
the village on the river. Um, but it's good use of that land, I think, and um, this will really help with house, hospitality downtown. There's going to be a lot of discussion about the cost to the city that has to go before the city council. They're hoping to break ground on this next spring. Um, but I think it will get approved uh, as there are no real uh, tax dollars directly involved. Um, I don't know what this does to the city's bonding ability, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a pretty straight line of revenue to debt. And it seems like a good plan uh, and a good solution to uh, both our parking problem and some of the hospitality issues we have. And I think it's great for downtown. Um, knowing what we know at this point, of course, uh, there's some caveats. I don't have all the details. I don't think anybody does. There's a lot of discussion yet to go. So things may come up that make this, uh, could change this. But right now I don't see a burden to taxpayers. Um, it's not an unreasonable arrangement between the city and legacy. And it, it, it brings significant investment to the core of our city. And I just don't see how that's bad, uh, knowing what I know now. And uh, as I said, uh, you know, I was, I'm was i trying to, I've reached out to a few people to try and uh, hook up and have a little conversation with somebody who can uh, demonstrate that. Now, I will say this, Scott Arisman's on the program tomorrow. So I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about it and we'll learn more from Scott. And maybe I'll have a different perspective after that. Obviously, he pays a lot of attention to these things. He sent me a text last night. Um, I think he said that it comes out to $40,000 a parking space. I don't know if that's a lot or not for a parking space. I know the parking ramps are expensive. Anyway, I like it. Agree or disagree, you can email me, patrick at ksoo.com. Follow us on Twitter, P. Lally Show. And I always like to hear from you, so fire away. Coming up after the break, it's Scott Hudson for Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000. KSOO. Looking good on TV and sounding fat. And it's 334 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Little clash, which means it's time for the Weird Friends segment. And it's Wednesday, so it's Scott Hudson. Mr. Hudson, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you guys? Uh, you know, we're hanging in there, man. We're hanging in there. It's a it's a beautiful day here in the studio. Uh, sun streaming in. A sun splash day in the KSOO studios. Fabulous. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, s- speaking of sun splashed and holidays, which we weren't really doing, but we're going to. Um, you, uh, you know, you have this reputation as being, you know, a curmudgeon. You know, no, it, I, I don't want to you know, insult you or break your bubble there, but a bit of a, a bit of a curmudgeon. Um, okay. I resemble that remark a little bit. Do, uh, what do you, are you, but do you enjoy the holidays? Are you a holidays guy? Do you get into it? Well, uh, yes and no. There are some things I can handle better than others. Um, like, you know, Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time. I would rather, you know, stick a few knives in my knee. <laughs> Um, but you know, you, you know, you get gifts, you give gifts, you know, spend some time with your family, you know, and that could be a plus or minus depending on, you know, your how, family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, otherwise, yes, but there are some things that annoy me, which I'm sure you're not shocked at at all. Right. Right. I, I think I know where we're going with this, Scott. 
I mean, yeah, I, I have a little plea for everybody. Um, I'm sure any day now, some of you people's favorite talk radio hosts, favorite cable news guys, are going to start trying to rile you up with a non-existent conspiracy. Oh, there's a lot of those. Which well, one? <laughs> it, this one, this one astonishes me year after year that people actually take this seriously. Which is and that, the supposed war on Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just not true. It's not true at all. I mean, for one thing, let's be real. Christmas has kind of become a sec- more of a secular holiday for most people, anyway. I mean, that's. I'm sure a lot of people aren't happy about that, but that's the, the religion. That's re- religion needs to fix that. That's not the job of everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they need to attract people to the churches. That that has you know I maybe I'm not being real clear on that, but actually it's a day that is inclusive. Mm-hmm. I I know plenty of Jewish people that you know they obviously they celebrate Hanukkah, but they participate in Christmas stuff too. Yep. their kids do the Santa Claus thing. They go to the Christmas parties. Um, you know even. Even the most anti-religious people ever tend to do some Christmas-oriented things. Yeah. Well, they, you know, and I I understand if you are uh, a person of faith, okay, which is fine. It's it's America. You get to to celebrate your faith however you want. Um, And folks worry about the secularization of the holiday. And I, I get that to a certain extent, but when you... When you create, when you start creating the conspiracy theory, that, that's where it goes overboard. Yeah, right? and, and and that's the the part that bothers me the most is that we're supposed to get mad when somebody announces holiday. Yeah, instead of um, Christmas, right? Yeah, you know, I I worked in retail from the time I was fourteen to not too long ago. <laughs> I yeah. spent decades doing something retail oriented, and. For the vast majority of that time, nobody ever paid attention to your greeting. No, you could say, "Yeah, exactly." That's the way it should be. There, there's no grand conspiracy. If I say "Happy Holidays," uh, say "Merry Christmas," also doesn't mean I'm a Bible thumper. It, neither of those those lines mean anything, especially when it comes from someone working retail. When you have to deal with dozens and dozens of people mm-hmm. every day. You don't want to say the same thing over and over. I, I bet if you went back through my history, it'd probably be 50% Happy Holidays, 50% Merry Christmas. Because mm-hmm. you've got to say something to some to them, you know? Yeah, and you just get in a habit one way or the other. Yeah, I, I just... And, and it is the holiday season. It, yes. I mean, it is, whether you're a Christian or you celebrate Boxing Day or Thanksgiving, Kwanzaa, Festivus, New Year's Eve is part of the holiday season. Yeah, there's 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 no hierarchy there. It's it's hoping by saying either of those lines, you're just hoping that that person has the best days that they could possibly have. Yeah, and the, the, that's just it. And it and if your Christmas holiday is based in your faith and the birth of the, uh, a birth of uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that's great. I think that's yes. fantastic. But just because somebody says, hey, happy holidays, uh, doesn't mean that they hate Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I mean, it's not exactly it's not exactly. a black and white world. And that that's what always drives me crazy about it. And then it becomes, 
oh, the media is telling us that this, or the media is telling us that that. No, people say happy holidays because they want to say happy holidays. That's it. Yeah. That's the end yeah. of the conspiracy. You know what There's I'm saying? There's no green cup conspiracies either. Starbucks. Oh, man. They, That's the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. Taken out on Starbucks. Or, you know, <laughs> I think you crushing your Keurig machine because they quit uh, uh, advertising on Hannity. Yeah, yeah. You've already spent the money on the Keurig. You're yeah. Not, you're not hurting them at all. Way to go, guys. <laughs> now either you have to go buy yourself a new machine, not a Keurig. You gotta go, you've just cost yourself money. That's all I can see. <laughs> I don't. And just because the company chooses not to advertise on Hannity doesn't mean it. It's just, oh, my gosh. Oh, my I, gosh. I, this, the, the problem I have with all these things. Yeah. You know, and I am a curmudgeon. Yes. But I don't actively look for things that to to get upset about. They just come naturally to me. <laughs> they find but you I, out. Yeah, but I do think that these people that get, that get all riled up over happy holidays or get all riled up over corrigs and things like that, I do think that they're primarily miserable people that are just looking for something to anger them that much more. If you're paying that much attention to what your grocery bagger is saying to you, yeah. You've got you've got some issues. Yeah, go outside and you know, just breathe deeply. Uh uh, you know, soak in God's wonder, <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> and and enjoy the day. Uh yeah, people can get themselves pretty upset about a lot of things. And hey, far be it from me <laughs> as an AM radio talk show host to uh point fingers at people who get upset. I get upset. I get upset, you know. But you can't you can't find every little thing in the culture that just drives you nuts. You're just gonna your your blood pressure is gonna be so high you're gonna kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I I honestly try as much as I can, despite my outspoken nature. I try to live a live as you live kind of guy, you know. And and that's why you'll always see when Pete when I say something strong about a band on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I'll never tell someone they're wrong if they disagree with me. That's right. You know, you know if you like them, more power to you. Mm-hmm. I and, just don't care. And the great thing about the United States of America is founded on freedom of religion. And I think sometimes uh, what gets lost is it's not, p- people think that, that, you know, the freedom of religion is, is, by the government, but it's, it is for you to, you don't want the government, uh, getting, getting involved in saying what sort of religious celebration can be done on public, you know, at city hall or anything like that, because someday the religious minority might be you. Yes. Yes. As someone who's been reading a lot of British history these days from medieval times, um, those, those are great lessons that the world learned. Oh, absolutely. There's these, these freedoms that we talk about, and you know, this is a bit grand for whether you should say happy holidays or Merry Christmas, but it right, goes to right. it. It goes to it that the freedoms, the philosophy of the individual freedoms was born out of centuries of death, chaos, and persecution. Yes. yes. And, yes. and if you think that we aren't, we aren't capable of that again, you, man, you're crazy. Yeah. So uh, celebrate your religious freedom, not your anger. Right. Uh, you know, Henry VIII was a Catholic, and then he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn, so he got rid of the Catholic Church. 
Princess Mary burned Catholics, and then Princess Elizabeth didn't care. I mean, I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth, Queen Mary, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, and, and Charles Stewart then, he was beheaded for primarily due to, you know, which kind of Presbyterian religion was he going to have as the official religion? I mean, that. That's why yeah. we have this in the United States. Yeah. But yeah, we're getting way off topic. Well, a little bit, but take that all into consideration when you decide whether or not you're going to get upset. Hey, did you bring me a, uh, a, a uh, Hudson's Hot Pick of the Week? Yes. Good. What uh, is it? There is a great new Husker Du box set that came out last Friday. Um, it's five records or three CDs, and it's the first uh, four years of the band's existence. And of the 69 tracks on this set, uh, 46 of them are, are previously unreleased. And, uh, you know, Husker Du is my second favorite Minneapolis band. So yeah. this, is like, this is like a real treat for me. This has been a great year for, uh, for old rockers like me, you know, a new Replacements album, yeah. you know, new Bash of Pop album. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, You're uh, it's a fun year. You're living, living the dream. Yes. Uh, hey, by the way, a side note before I let you go. Did you see that uh, Bob Mould is now going to be opening up for the Foo Fighters? Oh, really? Oh, that's good. I, I know yeah. that Bob is uh, uh, Bob is good friends with Dave Grohl. He was actually on the couple albums ago. He, yeah. he did a couple tracks. Um, Greg Norton from Husker Du was in Sioux Falls last Saturday for the Foo Fighters show. I saw that. He was backstage, apparently, taking photos. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, good stuff, Scott. Uh, good to talk to you again. We'll we'll see you next week. All right, take care. See you later. Here Bye. we go. Oh yeah. There's a little. Uh, I believe that's Bob Mold, isn't it? Or is that sugar? I can't tell. It's it's a Bob Mold related product. Care of Dan Peters, who were producer. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO. Three forty nine on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And a little Tom Petty as we go into our new segment here on the Patrick Lally Show, and that is the Zanbros KSOO Book Club with uh, Jacqueline Palfi. Uh, full disclosure here: uh, Jacqueline uh, started this book club when we were both uh, in the employ of Argus Leader Media. How many, Jacqueline, how many years ago was that? I was trying to think when I was in the car on the way over here. I think, I think this is our 11th year, maybe going into our 12th. It might be our 12th year in January. And wh- why did you start the book club? Um, because I missed literature classes in college, and I needed to force people to talk to me about books. Yeah, it's that, <laughs> it was that simple. And I wanted them to talk about the books I want to talk about. And not it, the books they want to talk about. Right. So you pick the book, and right. then and then you talk about it, not you pick the book, I have to go succumb to whatever you chose. No, that's what they have to do. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes. So, and at that time, were you, you were like the life section editor yeah, or something. Yeah, I was, the, we used to have um, a magazine called Live, which mm-hmm. was often mispronounced as Live, mm-hmm. and we just decided to start a book club with that. Um, Zanbros decided, agreed to do that with us, and we did it in conjunction with the Siouxland Libraries, um, and we got a ton of people. I mean, I've had, you know, 30, 40 people over the years at different ones. Um, 
No, it's probably about 10, mm-hmm. 10 or 12. Well, not after this segment. No, now we're going to have to, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat. I think. <laughs> That's, <gonna laughs> That's right. <happen> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, you and I have been talking about books for a long time. So this, this made sense because we're both no longer in the employ of the Argus leader. And, uh, but we are uh, very well acquainted. Let's just put it that way. And, um, but this, and I, I love this uh, talking about books and, and literature and hooking up with Zambros is perfect because Jeff Dan's down at Zambros has been a long time friend of mine. And so this all makes sense. So, First of all, the book for this month is what? The book is The Girls, and it's by Emma Klein. Um, just can we back up a little bit about the book club here? Sure, go so ahead. So we meet the third Thursday of every month at Zanbro's at 630, and they give a discount um, on the book to anybody who comes. Yeah. So that's fantastic. We were going to get to that, yeah, but that's well, fine. You know, <laughs> Which I'd is, like to lead with the lead with the info news. box. <laughs> <laughs> so that's tomorrow, right? Yeah, that so is if you haven't read Girl, The Girls by Emma Klein, you may be, you know, if you can read fast, you can still do it. If but. you haven't read it, you're in good company because it's my book club and I have 200 pages to finish tonight. You'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be all right. You'll be fine. So, uh, but you have, you pick a new book. Do you yep. tell people what the book is when they show up? At book club, or do you, how does that work? Um, we do it two different ways. Um, most of our information um, for folks who aren't actually at the club is through our Facebook page, which is the Zanbros Community Book Club. Um, and I have books chosen through February on there. Um, and then we also tell people at, at the book club, mm-hmm. and we have them ordered all the way out. So you can come in and you can uh, buy everything you need for the next couple months. Yeah, just be, and even if you don't make it to the book club gathering, just it's a it's a good source of, you know, what's good out there, what are people reading, mm-hmm. and and just to mix up maybe what, what you've been reading. Say you've been reading mysteries for the last six years and you need to change something. Here's your opportunity just to get a recommended book that you might like. Yes, and I mean, we try to choose, we, I say we, like I'm more than one person, mm-hmm. but we try to choose things that aren't always popular. I mean, we, have, we definitely choose bestsellers, um, but we try to choose paperback, trade paperback, and things that you might not have thought of before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and not, it's not a book club for everybody, but that's no. why there's a lot of book clubs. Yeah. There's tons of book clubs in town and some of them are full. Mm-hmm. You can't get into them. You are welcome to come to ours if yeah. you like. We uh, also generally don't have a lot of gentlemen at our book club, but we have. Yeah. Uh, there are a few. But you've read, I mean, you're yeah, a gentleman I think, and you've read many of the books yes, that I we've have. chosen. I read them just because you told me to read them. Right. Because I have outstanding taste. Oh, here we books. go. Um, so if I show up tomorrow, um, which I'm not saying I'm going to, but if I did, <laughs> which I probably should since it's the Zambro's KSOO book club, what, what happens there? What, you know, is it just like high-minded philosophizing and, and espousing on metaphor? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, we sit around and we talk about the book. We don't really devolve that much into, there's a lot of book clubs where it's, okay, we're all going to choose a book and then we're all going to read half of it. And then we're going to have cocktails and yeah. talk about our husbands. Yeah. And that is not this book club. We generally Good. steer. Yes. It's going to be hard for you because you don't have a husband. Um, <laughs> we generally steer it towards the book and we try to focus on that. You know, it's some of the people who've been coming have been coming since the very beginning. And mm-hmm. they, they're they a ton of fun because they can go back and say, well, this reminds us of this character in this book or this language itself is beautiful. We talk a lot about just straight language and mm-hmm. why these people do what they do in the book and and why the writer may have have chosen that. And if we would have chosen it differently. Yeah. You know. 
We're talking with Jacqueline Palfi. She is the uh, what what organizer, what? Founder. founder, founder, founder of uh, the Zambros uh, and now KSOO Book Club. Um, so we can't get out of this without you telling us a little bit about the girls. What, what did you think of the girls by Emma? The two hundred pages, notwithstanding, <laughs> that you haven't read. Uh, well, so far, I think it's pretty good. Um, you know, it's it takes place during um, the. Uh, all the Charles Manson stuff. It's about a, a girl who gets sort of sucked into this cult. Mm. And what's fascinating about it is everything at the beginning and the the little bit of reviews I've read, it's it's about a teenage girl and what it's like to be seen and, and that self-consciousness that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give you one little line from it, which was awesome. And it, it talks about how self-conscious these girls are, where mm-hmm. she says, they move on sleek and thoughtless as sharks, as sharks breaching the water. Oh, it's nice. It is. Quickly, what's the book for next month? Uh, the book for next month is The Guinevere's by Sarah Domet. Got it. That's December 14th. We're early because of Christmas. And you can find all about all of that by going to Facebook and going to the Zambros Community Book Club or going to Zambros tomorrow night at 630. 630. Zambros downtown on Phillips Avenue. Jacqueline, thanks for being here. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. You keep putting out cash. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO coming up after the news. We're going to talk about fake news. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Are you a CNC machinist? Listen to this fantastic opportunity for a CNC machinist with Graco. Work first or second shift, three days a week, put in 36 hours, get paid for 40. Here's veteran Graco CNC machine. 1000 KSOO. And it's 407 here on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I am very happy to have... Uh, woo, there it is. I was very happy to have The Cure queued up. Little Friday I'm in love. It's not Friday, it's Wednesday. And, you know, one of my favorite little uh, features that we have come to us on occasion from our friends in the AP. And I like to use this on the Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO is the Not the Real News, which is a collection of uh, news items that were widely circulated and are patently not true. And uh, this week's edition includes some lovely examples of that. Uh, First off, not real. The Texas church shooter was Antifa member who vowed to start a civil war. Of course, Antifa is the anti-fascist group that gets in... uh, Gets a lot of pub and gets in a lot of trouble. But the Texas shooter was not a member of Antifa. Texas investigators have said that the man who killed more than two dozen people at a rural Texas church Sunday didn't harbor racial or religious motives. A viral story from a conspiracy theorist site alleged Devin Patrick Kelly was connected to an anti-fascist movement or was trying to start a civil war. Texas Department of Public Safety Regional Director Freeman Martin said earlier this week, the mass shooting stemmed from a domestic situation, as we know. But it's out there. You'll see it on your Facebook feed or what have you. Uh, let's see here. Not real. What is this, fake news? <laughs> it is fake news. Uh, not real. New Jersey's first Muslim mayor vows to glorify Allah in every decision. 
the facts. The city of Hoboken elected city councilman and civil rights lawyer Ravi Bala mayor on Tuesday of last week. Uh, Bala is a Sikh, not a Muslim. And stories shared by various websites also falsely quoted Bala as praising Allah during his victory speech and claim he has an agenda of implementing classes in local schools. Prior to his election, Bala was the lar- target of anonymously distributed flyers that falsely labeled him a terrorist. He called the flyers unfortunate and said they didn't reflect what Hoboken was all about. Now, <laughs> now I don't know what Hoboken is about, but it's not terrorism. Um, not real. Senator Rand Paul assaulted at his home by Antifa thug. Again with the Antifa. Police say the Republican U.S. Senator was assaulted in his Kentucky home by his longtime neighbor, not by an anti-fascist. Paul wrote on Twitter Wednesday of last week that he suffered six ribs, broken ribs during the attack. Renee Bauscher is charged with misdemeanor assault over the episode. His lawyer called it a trivial property dispute between two neighbors, saying it has nothing to do with politics. You are dead wrong. I am dead wrong. Um, And let's see here if there's, uh, oh, not real. One year ago, Hillary Clinton became the first losing presidential candidate in 50 years to not concede in a public speech. Wrong! And I've actually heard this one a few times. Uh, Clinton, the facts, Clinton gave a public concession speech the morning after Election Day. Although she did not take the podium immediately after the November 18, 2016 race was called for Donald Trump. The claim by the conservative Gateway Pundit blog that Clinton's delayed concession was the first in 50 years of presidential elections is false. Democrat John Kerry waited until the next day to publicly publicly concede to George W. Bush in 2004. Al Gore conceded five weeks after the 2000 election to concede to Bush while the race's results were contested, as you remember. Republican President Gerald Ford let his wife, Betty, deliver his concession speech to Jimmy Carter in 1976 because his voice was hoarse from campaigning. All right, that's our new not real news roundup for this for this week. Wrong. Wrong. I like that one best. Wrong. Uh, Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Vanessa Smith. She is with Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine. We're going to talk about carpal tunnel, opioids, how to not get hooked on opioids, and all kinds of good stuff about your hands. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Surround yourself with the news and information. 1,000 KSOO. No booster seat required. And it is 416 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1,000 KSOO. And I'm quite pleased to have in the studio with us today, Vanessa Smith. She is a physician's assistant. Is that right? Yep, physician. With, with, uh, with the Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine, yep. um, which means you work where, Vanessa? I work at Sanford in the Vandemark Building in Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and Hand Surgery. Right on the right on the big campus yes. there on 18th yep. Street. Correct. It's got the uh, statue of the Vandemarks out front, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Got it. I've been yes. there. That's yeah. a cool place actually, because that's that's where they used to do all the torture testing uh, on the. Uh, on me, oh, other I human see. beings, not not animals, okay. not that sort of thing. They had they got the sweat box there, and they see what you're, how far they you can, they crank it up to like 105 and 
I'm not sure if they do that there still. No, I think they be. moved it. Yeah. I think they moved it. Just yeah. a little side note. Yes. So Vanessa, you're not here to talk about that. You're here because you are involved with an interesting clinical trial involving um, carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. Yes. Now, tell us the relationship here. Why why carpal tunnel, car, carpal tunnel surgery for this clinical the study? The thought was this, and we're part of a multi-site a trial that is double-blind, placebo, um, randomized trial. That's, uh, the PI for the project is out of Canada, but there are three sites in the U.S. And carpal tunnel surgery is the most common hand surgery that's performed. So the thought was to be able to get a large volume of participants to gain information and data about the use of pain medicine after surgery. So this... Uh, ties right in with everything that we've been talking about in terms of the opioid epidemic, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so what is your role here? Why? W- what do you do in terms of this clinical trial? Sure. So I work with Dr. Robert Vandemark, and he uh, was the one that had connected with the PI in, in Canada, Dr. Lalonde, and got the connection and started to work with Sanford's IRB, which is their research department, to get this um, rolling so that we could be a site for the study. And so in working with Dr. Vandemark, he has an idea of the big picture, and I think about a lot of the details and logistics and how to make things work with our clinic staff, both clerical and nursing staff, and then all the education that needs to be rolled out to our large clinic in order to make this study uh, possible and run smoothly. So, And then I also work with the research coordinators throughout the study, signing things, communicating about patients, that sort of thing. So you've got, you're, you're, you're part of this trial with, this is FDA approved, right? That's why it's a big deal to get. And there's only three sites. Yes. Um, How many people are going to be involved in the entire thing when it's all said and done? I know our goal here in Sioux Falls is to get 50 people enrolled in the study. Currently, I know that over 200 have already participated in the study at the other sites. So I think there will be quite a large group of data once it's all done. And what are you measuring? What exactly are you looking at? Yep. So there are two arms or branches of the, the study. One is um, that the patient will get hydrocodone and acetaminophen, and the other is that the patient would get ibuprofen and acetaminophen. And so the patient wouldn't know which one they are getting, and neither would we, but all of these medications have been proven individually to be effective for pain relief. But the, there has not been good research done to compare them one to the other. Yeah, so hydrocodone, obviously, is, is the, an opiate. Is the opiate. Yep. And that, uh, that's a synthetic drug that uh, we have now found, while it is incredibly good at treating pain, it also is one of the family of, of synthetic drugs that can be fairly addictive. Highly addictive, yeah. yes. Yep. Where does hydrocodone fall in the, the sort of uh, uh, continuum of, of power when it comes to sure. opioids. It's not the strongest, but yeah. it's much, much stronger than anything over the counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So getting 50 people that have that are going to have carpal tunnel surgery mm-hmm. and that want to participate in this, mm-hmm. uh, how hard is that to find those people? So we have, we've been actively enrolling for almost a month now, and we have about three people in the study and a number of people that we have talked to or looked at potentially to be in the study, but for one reason or another, they're, they meet an exclusion criteria, mm-hmm. meaning um, we're wanting to focus in on just this surgery mm-hmm. and how people 
do with the pain after surgery. So if somebody has chronic pain. Yeah, bad back or whatever Yeah, it is. or it takes a leave or ibuprofen chronically, mm-hmm. uh, we they're not allowed. That's kind of an exclusion thing. If um, Man, that's hard because there's a lot of people who are taking yeah. a leave or uh, Advil or whatever it is. Chronic. I mean, they right. take, people take it all the time, like candy. Right. Yeah. So that's stupid, right? So we have done lots of... Just a minute. Okay. That, I just want to... That's not a good idea to take that stuff every day if it's just day in, day out pain, right? I mean, right. soreness. No, the, the idea with anti-inflammatories is you're going to take the smallest dose for the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. So we often talk to people with their arthritis, taking it when the pain flares and then stopping it when when uh, the pain gets better. Mm-hmm. If it becomes a chronic thing, then we you really recommended to work with your internal medicine or family practice doctor mm-hmm. to manage those medicines with your other medications because there can be yeah. interactions or right. adverse effects long-term. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Vanessa Smith. She's a physician's assistant in the Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine Institute over there at uh, Sanford campus. And we're talking about carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. Um, so... Let's let's talk about carpal tunnel for just a second. This mm-hmm. is something that you spend a lot of time working on. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, we all we've heard about carpal tunnel forever, you know. Yes. And a lot of us who grew up typing mm-hmm. on in the computer generation uh, all think we're going to end up crippled up with carpal tunnel. Yeah. What is it? First of all, what is carpal tunnel syndrome? So the carpal tunnel is an anatomic location in your wrist. Mm-hmm. The floor of the tunnel are bones. The roof of the tunnel is a ligament. And then what travels through the tunnel are the tendons that flex your fingers and mm-hmm. the median nerve. Got and it. that median nerve gives sensation to half of the hand and gives strength to some of the muscles in the hand. Mm-hmm. When there is more pressure in that tunnel, that nerve gets pinched. Mm-hmm. And that's painful, causes numbness, tingling, burning, sometimes just in the hand, sometimes all the way up to the shoulder, uh, and can be quite painful at night, waking you from sleep, or really bothersome, like with driving or talking on the phone during the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do I know, okay, like I said, uh, we work in a, in a computer culture, right? Mm-hmm. All well, sitting at a desk. How do I know when I am a candidate for carpal tunnel Versus I just need to change my posture a little bit or I need to move sure. around or I need to do more exercises. Yeah. What's, what's the indicator there? Well, I think that the, that's a good point is that a lot of us have lost the good posture and form for things. So the first thing to correct would definitely be ergonomics. How are you sitting at your desk? How are your arms positioned and your back and, and your whole posture overall? That would definitely be an easy fix. But if symptoms persist and they don't seem to get better after you've changed some of those simple things, mm-hmm. then to be evaluated is very, very reasonable. Sometimes other nerves can be pinched in the arm or up in the neck that can also cause these symptoms. Mm-hmm. But a lot of research has been done regarding carpal tunnel syndrome and computer use. And it used to be thought that all secretaries get carpal tunnel syndrome, and that's not the case, that there's actually greater incidence in the general population of carpal tunnel syndrome than there is in people with desk jobs. Yeah, like anything that's repetitive, right? Yep. Factory jobs, yep. anything like that. But also stay-at-home moms and people wow. who work in the kitchen at a restaurant. And, uh, you know, it kind of it really runs the gamut. There's more genetics that probably play a role. We often find people say, yeah, my mom had surgery or my sister mm-hmm. had carpal tunnel surgery. Because maybe your genetic structure at some level means you just have a smaller hole for right. the nerves to go right. through or what have you. Yes. Yep. That's very interesting. And so the surgery, as I understand it, is, you know, they basically just open that up and cut that little piece of ligament at the top, right? Kind of, yep. The incision is a uh, several centimeters, actually at the base of your palm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we go down and it, usually um, most very commonly these days we're doing it under local anesthesia, just meaning oh, really? we numb up the hand and you're wide awake for surgery. I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, there's a, a sheet up or a, okay, uh, that you can't see what's going on. Um, but then what's nice is you don't, you can eat your breakfast that morning. You can take your morning oh, yeah. meds, uh, you know, but for some people it's not appropriate. And then we do, do have sedation available if mm-hmm. that's, if that's needed, but for the most part, people do very well with the local anesthesia and then um, can have no effects from IV sedation and, and do quite well. So, yeah, then... Then you go, go down and you cut the ligament. That's yeah. the roof of the tunnel. Do they just do they just cut it in half or do they take it all out? Right. We're going to, if you can imagine um, a wide, flat rope and we cut along the width of it. Got so it, it kind of opens it. Yeah. It but it can grow back together, right? It does, but it's just a much larger space. Okay. So there's more room for the nerve. I have a lot of, I'm very curious about yes, this. Yes, I, I noticed that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this. All right? I just, <laughs> so, I'm trying yeah. to stay away from the surgery. Okay. Um, we're going to come right back after the news with Mr. Dan Peters and ABC News Nationally. And we're going to talk more about your wrists and your pain and how we can control it. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Tomorrow morning on the Main Street Cafe, join us. 4.34 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our discussion here with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant. Hi, Chad here from the Main Street Cafe, inviting you to join Beth and myself tomorrow morning. We'll turn on the open sign at 5. We're like any small town cafe. We talk a little bit about this, a little bit about that. We'll make sure you walk out the door informed. And we continue our discussion with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant at Sanford Sports in Orthopedic Medicine. Uh, Vanessa got her BA in athletic training at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, after that, she worked in orthopedic and sports medicine. uh, And uh, at a post-graduation, she pursued her master's in physician assistant studies at Roslyn Franklin University in North Chicago, Illinois. Vanessa, that sounds sounds like a kind of a... (laughs) cool place to hang out right yes yes so you have a master's degree in physician assistanting studies studies yep, yep. yes some, and yep. so how did you how did you end up at sanford you were you got your master's there in in chicago and you said i'm gonna go to sanford right not no. quite <laughs> no yep so after school i was interested in getting into orthopedics and was able to land a job with a surgeon, an orthopedic hand surgeon in St. Paul at uh, Level 1 Trauma Center there and learned a lot about hand surgery and about patient care and being a professional. And uh, I had a mountain of student loan debt that I needed to tackle and we weren't getting anywhere in St. Paul. So we decided to move home, move into mom and dad's basement for a while and start tackling the debt. So you're from Sioux Falls? From Sioux Falls. Yeah. Yep, Where'd you go to high school? Washington. And uh, how did you how did you ever end up at Bethel? Bethel's a fine university up in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities. How did you pick Bethel? I had a few friends that went there, and my church was a part of their conference and and loved the campus. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a small private school, but it is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, that aside, what do you do as a uh, physician assistant in the operating room? Because you're right there in the operating room, right? 
Well, so my initial job uh, in St. Paul, I was in the operating room with the surgeon. We would kind of work one-on-one or kind of work as a team to get things done. I have a unique role at Sanford here because there is a surgical tech that works with Dr. Vandermark, and she goes to the operating room with him. So then while they're in surgery, I am uh, holding clinic, talking to patients, seeing new patients, seeing uh, rechecks or post-op visits, and kind of being a person on the on the clinic side and, and can get a hold of Dr. Vandermark if needed to consult on x-rays or something like that. Yeah, so, so you're really helping patients kind of understand what's what's going to happen, right? I mean, you're walking yes. them through the process yep. to some degree. A lot degree. of patient education, wow. yes. Um, and we, as we mentioned in the previous segment, you deal a lot with carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel surgery, and you're working on a clinical trial uh, regarding opioids and and how to uh, how to use opioids in conjunction with other pain relievers to find some sort of sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, if people want to be part of your clinical trial, mm-hmm. can they contact you or do they have to go through? I mean, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, they should. They can call our clinic, uh, which is six zero five three two eight two six six three and ask about information for the the research that we're doing for the opioid study they'll be directed to our research um, coordinators and and they'll be able to get more details there if they're interested in finding out if they have carpal tunnel syndrome Mm -hmm. definitely that same phone number to call and make an appointment with one of our hand surgeons so uh do you have this is a bit of an aside on carpal tunnel again because i'm so interested in it but are there ways to mitigate it that that are short of surgery? I mean, what what can you do short of surgery to try and uh, reduce the effects of carpal tunnel and the, the inflammation in there and the pain? Sure. Uh, what processes are there available to folks? There are some therapy or stretching exercises that can often be helpful. A lot of people have... Uh, Pretty good relief, though temporary, uh, with massage or acupuncture. We hear about people even visiting chiropractors, different things like that, that can give temporary relief. The the one that's proven in the literature, sort of as evidence-based medicine, is to wear a wrist brace when you sleep at night. The, the idea is that when we sleep, we get into positions that increase pressure in that tunnel even more. So a wrist brace puts the wrist at the best possible position to lessen pressure on the nerve while we sleep. Uh, so that's kind of our main non-operative treatment that we recommend. Because it's kind of amazing, and I've, I've heard this before, um, if you have some sort of pain or inflammation in your arm that doctors are, will always ask, will ask you, you know, do you, how do you sleep? Do you t- tuck under yeah. your arm, under your pillow? Yeah. And you would never believe that it's when sleeping yeah. that causes problems with your arms. It's right. amazing. Yeah. Um, so the folks come into you and they, they are suffering from uh, pain, carpal tunnel, and, and you're looking at who are the ideal candidates for this clinical trial? What are you, what are you looking for? Sure. Yep. We, we sort of have a, a long list of exclusion criteria, meaning things that we, if you have any of these things, you can't be in the study. The main things are you have to be over the age of 18 and be able to read and understand English because part of the study is that you have a pain diary. We'll be asking you to rate your pain as you take the pain medicine after surgery. And then that's used as a part of the, the research. You know, if you if you have chronic pain or on medicine for even Advil or ibuprofen long term for arthritis, uh, unfortunately, that's an exclusion part of one of the exclusion criteria. Um, other problems with that hand. So maybe we diagnose you with carpal tunnel syndrome, but you also have a tendonitis or a thumb arthritis that needs surgery then we, that would not mm-hmm. be considered in the study. Yeah. And so you've got three, you need 50. 
Um, how long will it take you to fill out the ranks? That is a good question. <laughs> I think going into this, we thought, oh, this will be no problem because mm-hmm. we do lots and lots. I bet between the three hand surgeons, there are at least 15 carpal tunnel release surgeries done a week. Wow, that's a lot. But there are so many. Um, again, we're looking for some very right. specific things with inclusion criteria. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford orthopedic and sports medicine, and she is working on a clinical trial involving carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. So I get out of surgery. Um, uh, how, how painful is carpal tunnel surgery after you, after everything wears off? Is it excruciating? Is it? Yeah. I mean, what, what level of pain are we talking about here? The first day or two, you're, you're pretty sore. Now, I personally haven't had it, but based on all the people that I've talked to, it's those first few days that you're sore. And and usually take some form of pain medicine. There are a majority of patients that come in at their first visit after surgery, which is about two weeks later, and say, I haven't taken a pain pill for over a week. Wow. So it, it kind of, the, the pain of surgery wears off after a few days, and then what can happen is pain from overuse. And people think, oh, I'm feeling good, and they yeah. start doing too much too soon. But for the most part, it's not, um, it's, it's fairly quick recovery in that regard. And so that is what makes it an ideal candidate at some measure for trying to figure out the effect of opioids or against other painkillers. Is that sure. right? Yep. That and the fact that the carpal tunnel surgery is the most common hand surgery we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if it is just a couple days, you know, no matter how bad the pain is, maybe just dulling it is enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's something we talk about with the studies that we're not looking to get rid of all of the pain uh, with the pain medicine, but to make it tolerable. Have we become just big old weenies? That would be one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we can't tolerate pain. So if the opioid's available, we take it. Right. And and there's been uh, research in the hand surgery world specifically looking at how we treat pain and hand problems in the U.S. compared to even Europe where or, or Canada where people are not prescribed opioids for a hand fracture mm-hmm. or a leg fracture. Mm-hmm. They're told to take Advil and Tylenol, and, and that's what they get. Gut yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're here with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine. I always, I always get, I flip those around. It's Sanford it's Sports okay. <laughs> and Orthopedic, not Sanford nope. Orthopedic You're and Sports. Close. Nope. Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. There you go. Sanford, or- because orthopedics... And sports medicine are really two different things in large measure. Yes, and we have several that specialize in sports medicine specifically. Sanford Orthopedics and sports medicine. You got it. We're going to come right back after this break and talk more about pain. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 30 days, 6,226 miles, 14 states. Can you imagine if I had to say Lally Patrick? Is Information 1000 KSOO. Get up with it, Patrick. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we're returning to our conversation with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. See how I did that? You got it. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> got it, it only it. takes three segments for me to get the. Uh, Title and the and the uh, name of the institution, right? But no, we're there. We made it. It's Sanford. Um, we've been talking about carpal tunnel and pain in a clinical trial that you are involved with. Uh, so let's let's talk about 
pain. And you are trying to, Sanford as a whole has been trying to reduce the amount of opioids used. And I think probably uh, medical institutions nationwide have been trying to do this, but you've had some success over at Sanford in trying to reduce that. Um, Do you think that you can find a, that there is a level where you use opioids that aren't, that doesn't make them addictive. You know what I mean? I know that's a probably no, a technical question that. There's definitely a role for opioids. Definitely. Uh, what we're trying to understand better as a medical community is what is that role and to what extent, you know, after, um, you know, for, for cancer patients, it's a, it, for some people and the pain that goes along with the side effects from all the medications and surgeries, that may be a long-term thing or other people who have had severe um, neck injuries or trauma uh, from a car accident or who knows what, there are definitely rules for opioid medicine. Uh, what Sanford is doing, one of the things they've done in the past a year or two, is create a stewardship, opioid stewardship committee. And um, they have rolled out several uh, online um, learning modules for all providers that were required to take. I know that they've interacted personally with providers who have uh, patients that may be on a high dose of, of, of opioid pain medicine to try to work with them, to work with the patient to kind of start to wean them off because more and more we're finding out the risks of chronic use, uh, the risks of uh, misuse and abuse of these medications, and not just by the people who are taking them, but when they fall into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. That we've had to, the doctors and every pharmacist and everybody has had to readjust how they were trained, readjust their thinking from when they got out of med school or what have you, and how these drugs were used to today. Yes. Yep. And it, and I think it's been well established that we, we kind of encountered this problem started when pain was listed as the, the fifth vital sign that we started asking every single patient, what is your pain on a scale of one to 10 and asking people to, to name that. And then it was for, for a while, it was on us, the, the medical providers, to get their pain to a three or less. Mm-hmm. And, and so that a lot has changed with that. But then uh, as time goes on, too, for providers to understand the risks of prescribing boatloads of, of opioids when they're not necessary. And so yeah. one thing we're doing in orthopedics specifically is looking at well, how much is necessary? So separate from this study, we've already uh, gathered some data just within our hand surgery department. How many opioid um, or pain medicine uh, do do patients use after a, a wrist fracture surgery mm-hmm. or after a finger surgery? And gathered some data for three months to say, oh, we're prescribing 20 and they take two or four, mm-hmm. you know? And so we've been able to cut down on how much we're prescribing thus cutting down on leftovers that have p- more potential for misuse. Yeah, it used abuse. to be very common for people to have leftover pain meds. Yeah. Because they just weren't pay- in pain anymore. They just kept them around. And Correct. And then their kids find them and grind them up and snort them or whatever. Mm. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's bad stuff, right? So yes. if you can give them less, and if they need more, they can come back, right? right. I and think that's been one yeah. of the big lessons. Just give them less to begin with. Right, and it, and... That's definitely, and, and one thing that has helped that is e-prescribing, where we use our fingerprint through mm-hmm. the computer to say, yes, this prescription is valid, and that 
goes electronically through the computer to the pharmacy. So you don't have, uh, going back to your clinical trial for a second, sure. you don't have any like hard end date here or what's the timeline? No, I think we're, we'll just keep going until we get the, the 50 participants that we're hoping for. And once somebody's in, how long are they in? The actual, the research part of it is just the first week after surgery. Oh, and then so you're that's done. not bad. Yeah, there's no more frequent follow-up visits or other things. It just is that first week after surgery, we're asking you to kind of keep track of your pain. Um, we give some specific instructions on how to take the pain medicine. It's not that we're not going to have things for you, um, but just you're, you're kind of feeling out what is my pain like and how much pain medicine do I need for it. So uh, if I'm in the trial, I don't know what I get. You don't know what you get. We don't know what you get. Only the pharmacist does. So that's the blinded part of the study. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, all three of these medications, hydrocodone, acetaminophen, and ibuprofen, have all been proven to address pain by themselves. So it's not that you're not going to have pain that goes unnoticed or mm-hmm. not addressed, um, but it's a matter of taking them and taking them when you need them. It's got to be hard to figure out, too, because even... After you separate them into two groups, so you have a blind, and some people just have a higher th- threshold for pain, or they, they yep. so how it's going to be very difficult. It would, I would seem to me, to figure out. Well, was that just because that person is tough? Are you know, to use a terrible word, right? So based on the dose of the of the medications and how they we normally prescribe them, we have some pretty pretty simple guidelines about taking them no more than four times a day. And you can take them as close together as every four hours. Mm-hmm. And so people who have a lot of pain that they're after surgery, that there are options to take it. But if you're not having pain, then you don't have to take it four times that day. And so we get into some of those details and we put it together uh, quite simply so that the patient can understand and it's easy to do. It's not complicated once we get into the study. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, if people have, again, are, are interested in, in either carpal tunnel pain or and the possibility of being involved in the study, if people just want to be part of it and mm-hmm. they are going to get surgery anyway, mm-hmm. how do they get a hold of you guys? Sure. Our phone number is 605-328-2663. And we'll try and get that up on the P. Lally Show Twitter feed as well. And, you know, you can probably find it by Googling Sanford Carpal Ortho. Tunnel and pain. Yep. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. There are so many ways to find you these days. Yep. Um, Vanessa Smith, uh, she is a physician's assistant. Oh, see, I did it again. Physician assistant. Let this be a lesson to all you people out there, okay? The folks that are in this particular profession are physician assistants, not physician's assistants. As it was just pointed out to me, they're not owned by the doctors. So physician assistant, Vanessa Smith, she is with Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, uh, working on a clinical trial through the FDA, only three places in the whole country, right? Correct. Yep. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, uh, trying to figure out how not to give you, uh, get you all hooked on opioids. I think that's a good thing. Vanessa, thanks for coming in today. Thank I really you. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Pop in the earbuds. <laughs> 457 here on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Finishing up with the clash, as I am wont to do. This is Radio Clash. 
Actually, a little bit. Hey, coming up on December 14, 15, 16, 17, big event in the city is the Christmas at the Cathedral. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Cathedral of St. Joseph up there on the hill in the North End. All four nights at 7.30 p.m. plus a 1 p.m. performance on Saturday and a 2 p.m. on Sunday. Proceeds will benefit the Bishop Dudley House and Cathedral of St. Joseph Ongoing Care and Maintenance Endowment Endowments. To learn more about the event and uh, what their work is, you go to uh, ccfesd.org. That's ccfesd.org. You'll see charity events, Christmas at the Cathedral. You'll find it all there. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we've got the none, none other than local blogger and uh, city hall watcher Scott Arisman. I think we're going to talk a lot about parking lots and hotels. I have a feeling... I have a feeling about that. That's always entertaining, so you're going to tune in for, for Scott. Also, the Smart Cyclist will be in for Weird Friends. And there's a big weekend in local mountain biking coming up that we've been talking about, so you want to tune in for that. All good stuff. That's coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. what winter's going to be like this year. Last winter was no picnic, that's for sure. Oh, I remember when I slid through that stop sign in the snowstorm and almost got sideswiped by that truck. Well, that was close. And I had the kids with me. I swore to myself, never again. And I meant it. I'm going to visit Tires, Tires, Tires.